I'm going to make another forecast. Uh oh. Yeah, I made the forecast last week that inflation would come down to around two percent, two percent range. By you also just made a forecast for first quarter GDP growth of two point two. I'm I'm surprised. I don't know how many more winter storms are coming. I can't predict that. I can't predict I first quarters. But it's did. going to be relatively low. What I and the other thing I think is in the third quarter we're going to see a dramatic pickup in growth again. Once more onto the breach, dear friends. Else close Else the wall. Fill the wall up with our English dead. Yes. Uh, good morning again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, though those last two might be figments of our amalgamation. Fig trees in our amalgamation. We're going to hope that there's some kids watching or listening. Oh, yeah, watching on radio. This is, this is old school. Let's all sit in the living room and watch the radio together. This is the Personal Wealth Coach, and today we're going to talk to you about economics. But before we get to that, we've got to tell you all the things that you should know and, and disclose and all of that. The Personal Wealth Coach is not just this fabulous radio program that you're listening to at this moment. Or fabulous? I know I'm taking a leap in saying that it's fabulous, but I, I said it with, okay. I'm, I'm doing my best. Um, so this fabulous program is also the personal wealth coach. It's also the name of an SEC registered investment advisory firm. Now we're not paying for the program. This isn't a paid commercial advertisement. We're also not being paid to do the program. Uh, the SEC doesn't approve us. That's not part of their purview. They don't approve anybody about anything. They, uh, they can approve a registration. They will not approve the registry. They can disapprove, though. They certainly can. Uh, so uh, the things that we're saying on the air is that I just said it's registered with the SEC. The radio program is not giving investment advice. That's not what we do. I know there's a lot of places you can call and say, what should I buy? What mutual fund should I get? And the people that are answering you are allowed to answer you because they are not in the financial business. As soon as they start answering you on the air and they're in the business, it's like a doctor giving advice on the air to a specific person. All kinds of things happen. So we're going to talk in generalities and education rather than fiduciary advice. We're going to talk about the tools that we use to come up with the fiduciary advice that we give and maybe help you come to the same conclusions. I can give some good investment advice. What's that? Buy low, sell high. Good. Uh, right. Buy a stock. When it goes up, sell it. If it doesn't go up, don't buy it in the first place. There you go. There's was, little Will Rogers there. Will Rogers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you've got, a, you've got a disclosure to give too. The information we present in this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. I love saying I know you do. That's why I always let you be the one to say that one. You are you take a great deal of pleasure for some reason. You can know. also contact us while we're on the air and while you're listening, or you can contact us when you're not listening or whatever by sending us an email. You can send it to either or preferably both Jeff at TPWC.com or 
jake at tpwc.com. If you send it to both of us, we'll both get to read it. If you only send it to one of us, you only get half the brain. Yeah. Um, I don't know which half of a brain you're going to get, but between the two of us, we amount to half a brain. So it should be, it should be effective. If you do the, the math on the, on, the, on the fractions on this, you'll find out that maybe we have an improper fraction and it winds up being more. No, I, no, maybe not. I have heard that seven-sixths of Americans are bad at fractions. That's true. So we're probably falling in that group. And I also know that some people are slow and some people are fast and some people are half-assed and that's us. Yes, that is that is where we fall on this spectrum. Well, I want to talk about something that should have made, it made the headlines, but it went by so fast that I think a lot of people didn't even notice it. There certainly wasn't a lot of echoing about it. The fourth quarter gross domestic product. Awesome, yeah. This is first estimate from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, my favorite governmental organization. Um, I really would like to go visit them. I, of course, I would be disappointed because I expect everybody sitting around with green lamps and eye shades and yeah. sitting in semi-darkened rooms. And they're bureaucrats. Using pencils uh, instead of, of computers, right? Pencils and pens with black. Graph ink. paper. Lots of graph yeah. paper. Anyway, uh, the Bureau of Economic Analysis is the organization that reports the GDP and they have a first estimate, a third, a second estimate and a third estimate and second and third. And they even have a fourth one sometimes, which don't get a lot of attention, but they, their first estimate for the fourth quarter is that the U S gross domestic product grew at an annualized rate of 6.9%, six, that's almost 7%. Now they subtract inflation from that. And that was the quarter when we had 7% inflation reported. That is effectively a 14%. It's not exactly right. Actually, they use the uh, PCE, which is only 5%. So we're talking about uh, almost an 11% growth when you had inflation included. We pull inflation out of it, and it's 6.9. It's huge. That's one quarter. It's 5.7 for the year. Yeah, and that's that's and that's again after pulling inflation out, it's five point seven percent for the year. Now that's really ten point seven percent nominal growth in the gross domestic product of the United States last year in twenty twenty one, and it's like nobody's paying any attention. We had this amazingly huge growth in the economy in twenty twenty one, and it's like. No, we don't want to pay attention to that. We want to pay attention to inflation and Federal federal Reserve interest rates, and we want to pay attention to the bad news. Mm, silly. Um, yeah. Now, let me, sim- let me add something else in here, and Jake certainly is harping on this too. A chunk of that came from building up inventories that had fallen to amazingly low levels uh, in the previous quarters because of supply chain issues. So they filled up their warehouses to have enough on hand. That for Christmas. That's counted in the GDP as as right. making new stuff. As like it's almost like profits, even though that when they sell that, that's going to be a negative on the GDP. And the first quarter of the year, you don't have to be an economics genius to realize that we're doing a drawdown in inventory. All you have to do is go to the grocery store, right, or go try to buy something anywhere, and you find out they don't have anything in stock. They're sold out. They're selling out the inventory pretty quickly. Now, this is important. Something's happening right now in the middle of this drawdown that hasn't happened in a while. Home Depot, Lowe's, 
they're both doing sales on major appliances. These are what we would call uh, long-lasting, durable goods. And durable goods have had a ri- uh, one of the highest rises in inflation of any single product. It's only behind used cars. Part of it's the trade war and part of it's supply chain issues. You can't put these on airplanes. You've got to put them on a ship. If you don't have containers enough to put them on the ship to get them from South Korea to here, the prices go up. Well, Home Depot and Lowe's are doing sales on appliances right now. Big ones, the ones that are the most expensive. We haven't seen that for, for a year and a half. So that drawdown is another return to, okay, we've got more control of our own prices because we have a supply built up of them. Mm-hmm. And they can draw people in to buy more of a thing that they've been avoiding buying because when something goes up by 30% in price in a year, people avoid buying it for some reason. So that's drawdown of inventory is going to have a a negative impact on the GDP for the first quarter, but so are the big, big storms that are hitting the East Coast right now. Bob, cyclones, blizzards. Now, I still think we're going to have good growth in the first quarter. It's just not going to be <laughs> what we just saw. I'm guessing 2.2%. That's my effing riddle off. 2, 2.2% growth in the first quarter, which is going to sound terrible. It was We didn't get 6.9. We only got 2.2. That's the average we were getting before the pandemic. And we still have lots of stuff that isn't as good as it was prior to the pandemic. So where's and, the growth? And this is people have asked me this too. We're seeing this growth. We see these big numbers. Where is it? Well, it's in all the places that you wouldn't normally look from the years before. Uh, If you got a raise this year, it's because most people did. If you've been working at home, you're probably better at doing your work from home than you were before you left work. That's a productivity increase that is drastic. You're getting more things done. Uh, That's why profits are up kind of across the board in the U.S. economy. It's because we are using this negative of the pandemic to make us better. Uh, and it's, you mentioned this, that, you know, we're as, a, as an industrialized society to be back up and making profits above what we were the, uh, during pre-pandemic. We're really the only ones back up to that level of we're doing, the expansion is farther beyond what we were and the profits are better. China's growth, it's still growth, but it's at lowest levels that we've seen in 50 years for them still, where we're seeing growth that we haven't seen fill in the blank decades, many decades. 84 is the 1980s. Yeah. Just that's not that long ago, right? It's only wait 40 years. Yeah. We're old. I got a, I got a real blow to my ego or brain or something this morning when my wife read something that was posted on Facebook the, diff, the number of years from 1970 to the present, which doesn't seem like a lot to me, is the same number of years from 1918 to 1970. So, so you, a person today looking back to 1970 would have been like me back when I was about your age. No, you were not my age in 1970. You're, you're, I was in my 20s. You were in your, I, I am a little older than that. I wish yes, I was I still your age in the 19th. I know you're twice that age. But you look pretty young to me. <laughs> that's, um, it's just because you're looking at your kid. That's all it is. But there's folks here who remember 1970. Sure. I, I don't remember it. 
I remember reading about it. 1970 is as long ago now as if you were in 1970 looking back to 1918. You're just doing just this to make old people mind. feel old. That's what you're saying. I, I do feel old, yes. Um, yeah, uh, well, I don't. I feel 10 years younger than I used to. I, I was reading a little commentary on the internet, as my generation does, and one uh, exchange between a, a father and a daughter caught me. Um, where the daughter came walking into the kitchen wearing a hoodie, and he said, uh, the 1990s called and said they wanted their hoodie back, and she responded, they only called because they didn't know how to text. (laughs) (laughs) It's the truth. Well, anyway, yeah. speaking about GDP, here's I'm going to make another forecast. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I made the forecast last week that inflation will come down to around 2%, the 2% range. By you the also just made a forecast for first quarter GDP growth of 2.2. I'm, I'm surprised. I don't know how many more winter storms are coming. I can't predict that. I can't predict I first quarters. But it's going to be relatively low. What I, and the other thing I think is in the third quarter, we're going to see a dramatic pickup in growth again in the, in, in the third and in the in the after the second quarter, I mean, we'll see a pickup in growth. It'll go well into the third quarter and probably continue through the rest of the year. I am very very optimistic about 2022. The the last three quarters of 2022 being quite impressive. I you know there could be another variant of of, of the virus come along, but I think it's pretty much run its course. It, it's peaked. It hasn't run its course, but I think it, we're seeing evidence around the country that the Omicron surge has peaked and enough people are now vaccinated and or have had the disease that I think it's the matter of fact, the epidemiologists are talking about changing it from pandemic to endemic, which means it's just there. It's going to be with us just like the 1918 flu is still with us and we've got vaccines against it. Uh, People get, get it, but it isn't going to wipe out a million people like this one's headed towards. I'm I'm looking forward to a very, very uh, good majority of 2022 economically. Uh, Admittedly, there are some things, some wild cards out there. If Russia invades Ukraine, all bets are off. Nobody knows what happens next. Now, if it's it's just a repeat of Crimea where we wave our finger around, our market may have a little dip and then recover. If we commit troops and actually have a hot war, all bets are totally off. On the other hand, if they decide to take the country, which apparently they have some thoughts about doing, if Russia decides to take Ukraine, it's nobody can predict the end result of that one because it looks so much, if anybody has read history, it looks so much like Hitler at the beginning of World War II. And then there's some, that's like a big thing on the horizon, but there's some other smaller things that actually wind up being really big when you add them all up. It's been called the Great Resignation, something that's been taking place over the last four or five months where people who were just absolutely grateful that they had a job during 2020 are fed up with the way they've been treated at the job. And so they've quit in droves and they've gone to other places to work. There's always a lag between private and public sectors for that. What is public government owned? So municipalities, Market Watch, which is works with the Wall Street Journal on a lot of stuff, just came out with this big survey that says that 52%, that's more than half 
of all workers in state and local government are seriously considering leaving their jobs. It's never been that high, ever. That since they started measuring it, there's never been a case where more than half of the people in state and local government were saying, I'm out. So that's from Mission Square Research Institute. Um, and it's, that's a crisis. There are already hundreds of thousands of jobs short from what they were pre-pandemic. So this is an area where technology and uh, new training and morale boosters and lots of other things need to be focused in there because we may be in a place where the IRS stays understaffed forever. Yeah, that's what I was, was going to mention that. Because nobody prepared. wants to be an IRS agent. Believe it or not, it's not something that people go, when I'm a grown-up, I want to be... No. The IRS is having a... Not not just their agents, the, the workers, the people who process things. And we need them. They're having, they've got the money, and Congress, members of Congress are yelling at them, why don't you spend the money and hire people? Well, the bottom line to it is they're restricted by law because it's a governmental agency as to what they can pay people. And who they can hire. And who they can hire. And the end result is they can't find people who are willing to work for what they can pay them. And so get ready for your tax returns to be processed slower. Uh, get ready, as I've already experienced, when the IRS starts asking you questions about something. And they give you a then, deadline to answer. <laughs> and then you don't get the request until after the deadline. And so then when you do answer, they don't process the letter and their computers start making threatening noises at you. That is the norm around the country right now. Uh, and will be going into the future until... Very frankly, the IRS's computer system dates from the 1970s, and there have been some serious attempts to upgrade their computer system, although it was late and underfunded, and it, they are very poor at productivity right now, and they're just, having some severe yeah. difficulties. And just, just to give you a, some input into that, more money has been spent recently by Intuit on making sure that they calculate taxes better than by the IRS in making sure that they understand the calculations. Yep. That's, you know, they do TurboTax, and the reality is that the private sector understands the tax code better than the people that are collecting the taxes at this point. And that's terrifying, because we need that tax money to pay for our army and our roads. Maybe we're spending too much on a lot of areas, but the areas that we all agree need to have money spent on still need that money spent. So... Those are some things that we're looking ahead at. These are friction points in the economy that we're predicting. We're both really optimistic. The innovation level is off the charts, and it's possible that the government's going to find a lot of existing private solutions for this, but at this point, it doesn't look that great for government employees. There's a lot of, simp there's a, there's a lot of feeling in the country to write your congressman and say, defund the IRS. It's kind of like defunding the police. Uh, only after you've gotten is, arrested, it's important to defund the police. Or only after you've gotten a tax bill, it's important to defund the IRS. Every dollar extra budget given to the IRS over the last 10 years or so has produced about $8 in additional tax revenue. And what's happened over the last 10 years is the IRS budget keeps getting cut or not increased. Well, recently, bills were passed, very recently, 
that gave a lot of money to the IRS, but you just can't give them a lot of money and then instantly fix everything. It takes a while to train people. It takes time to hire people. It, their computer systems need to be upgraded. It's going to take years. So be prepared. Like I said, be prepared for higher uh, gas prices. Also be prepared for the fact that the IRS is going to be slow and relatively inefficient. And of course, you got to throw in the fact that every time Congress passes something that they want done for everybody, they tax the IRS with doing it. The child care credit, the distribution of stimulus checks, everything was done by the IRS. But notably, Congress didn't give any extra money to the IRS to hire people to do these things that Congress told them to do. So the IRS is going to be slow for a while. Yeah, and the same is likely to be happening at, for your your property tax assessments. For you just go down the list of things that would normally have a bureaucrat doing the job. They have been under the kind of pressure that is way beyond the normal uh, during the pandemic. They, I mean, because they've been forced to do things that private. Folks haven't. A lot of times they've had to go to work even when private folks are sitting at home working. Um, that's not always the case. But pressure's up for everyone. It seems more up for them. Pay scale hasn't risen as fast on the public side. Pay is up really big on the private side. I, I wanted to throw that in there. And to say that in the same breath as the invasion of Ukraine, it is a friction point that has the potential of being bigger than an invasion of Ukraine on the long-term economy. We'll fix it. We'll get through it. But that's one of the things that we're looking at. Yeah, I've got a couple of other headlines that seem to get more attention than the GDP growth. Just to kind of give you a reference to when we're looking at bad headlines and fear gauge and all that good stuff as good news. Bad news to us is good news. So headline, Wall Street Journal, U.S. consumer spending fell 0.6% in December amid inflation. Sub-headline mm. sub underneath that, Commerce Department's gauge of inflation rose 5.8% from a year earlier. So two pieces of bad news packed in. Usually the sub-headline says, but really, if you look back a year, we are actually consumer uh, outlays were up significantly year over year. Well, that's the deal is that we're not talking about the rise from a year earlier when we're talking about a 0.6% fall. It's spending dropped a little bit in December over November because a lot of the Christmas rush happened in November this year. A lot of it was online. It was hard to get stuff to people and a lot of people bought early. So if we look at yep. the growth in spending in November over the year before, it is massive. But if you look in December, it's only slightly less than it was last year in December. That's really hidden good news in that we spent a lot more as consumers in November and December than we did last year. But if we look just at December, it looks bad. So those headlines are ones we're happy to see. Because it's talking about what the sentiment of the market is. The sentiment is negative right now. That makes us happy. We, those of you that have listened a long time know this about us. When, when sentiment is negative, that means a lot of people are sitting on money and not investing it. When sent, sentiment is positive, most people have already invested the money. So if you have money sitting on the sidelines, it means that you're likely to have upward movement in these things in the in the future when everybody's fully invested 
all it takes is somebody buying their plan for bass boat to cause the whole market to drop if there's just few enough people waiting to buy. There's a lot of money sitting on the sidelines right now. It is, for any other period in our history, we would look at it and say, this is absurd. There's so much money there. That gives us a lot of hope for the future. As much as we talked about these other things, these negative things, um, here's some more negatives, but there's more negatives that would be positive. IMF says China's economic imbalances have worsened. They've lowered their projection on GDP for 2022 to 4.8% instead of 5.7%. Uh, did you see that headline as well? I did. And it's because the debt issues on the um, real estate developers, it's from the tech crackdown, it's because they keep shutting down massive portions of their economy. They're using the same game plan that they had at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm not sure we had a game plan at the beginning of the pandemic, but mostly our game plan is let's be safe, but not shut down again. So that's a lot of little pieces. And you had your finger up just a second ago. I'm going to hand it back to you. I think it's probably a subject change. Yeah, I was listening. I was thinking about China and pretty much lost it. Uh, okay. I mean, we can talk more about China. The development, it, real estate development firms in China, the same things that we've been watching for eight to 10 years of the debt levels getting higher and higher. That was funded during the Great Recession by governmental s spending at a much higher rate than we had here. We talked about it as three different experiments, Europe's uh, cutting back on everything, us giving stimulus and China going nuts and dumping money into the economy like nobody's business. This is what they're digesting at this point. One of the things I wanted to talk about, and it came out in the news this week, and there's congressional investigations into it already in the uh, Attorney General of Mass uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut is looking at it. Target date funds may not be appropriate for you. In other words, you might say, let's say I'm 50 and if I have a, and I'm planning to retire at 65. So if I set a target date fund 15 years out, uh, that should be the best thing for me to invest in. Not necessarily. What happens is, now maybe in a retirement account, it might, in a tax-deferred retirement account, there may be some validity to it. But one of the things that happened at the end of the year, this year, is there were huge distributions from a Vanguard target date retirement fund that caused a lot of people to be really shocked. And I'm talking about 25% distributions in some cases, uh, where if you had uh, $100,000 in your fund and you had it in a non-tax-deferred account, you suddenly got a $25,000 distribution, most of which was taxable. Now, that sounds ridiculous, but what happens is, as you hit a certain point in a target date fund, they are forced to sell stocks and buy bonds as you get older. And they do this in, in chunks. And the stock market, maybe you didn't notice, but over the last 12 months, the stock market has gone up a lot. So they had to sell a lot of stock. These target dates, the closer you get to the target date, the more conservative they get. That's what they're designed to do. And if you've held this thing for a long time and a big chunk of it has a lot of gain in it, if it's in a 401k, it's not a big deal. It's, that's, the taxes are deferred for the future. It's all about what you appreciate. But if you're just holding it in your non-qualified kind of vanilla account, you're going to get some taxes on that. Uh, these target dates are really designed for retirement plans and 529s 
and they get they can get quite dangerous when we're talking about uh, non quality tax purposes. They get really dangerous. Now, what is dangerous about this? I mean, people are complaining they got this big twenty five thousand dollar distribution, and they owe taxes on it, and it was a surprise. The good news on that is that they got a big gain. <laughs> That's the gain, is that this distribution realized a bunch of gain for them, and at some point they would have to pay taxes on it anyway. It's not fun to have someone else choose when you get to pay the taxes on a gain. And that's the danger in target dates. If you understand what's in the fund that you own and how it works, that's cool. Target dates have extra layers and that their entire mission changes in little blocks of five-year increments. And if they lined up for you, you may have had a big, nasty surprise. Surprises from the IRS are no fun. You can nod your head if you, if you think I covered that well enough. Or, or shake your head and wave your finger at me and I'll go, oh, I didn't do it right. Uh, he's nodding his head, by the way. Uh, so we're about out of time. Thank you for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you all. Our normal wrap-up would be keep your savings, your short-term savings, in a good insured FDIC bank. Keep yourself below the insurance numbers so if they fail, you're in good shape. Keep your savings up. That's first priority. Then start putting money away toward the future. Spend what you make and no more. These are, these are things that we're going to say no matter if it's the middle of a pandemic, middle of a recession, or middle of a boom. So this is truth to everyone. And we're about out of time. If you'd like to talk to us off the air, we have voicemail waiting during the weekend, real life people during the week, locally at 254-947-1111 or toll free at 1-800-914-7526. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. Uh, you can Sign up for our newsletter there, read about our philosophy, read our newsletter. You can listen to recordings of the radio program, but you can go anywhere for that as well. Any place that offers podcasts, we are there. Look for the Personal Wealth Coach or TPWC. Uh, and email us directly at jeff or jake at tpwc.com.